grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to give up driving, she thought. And so she gave up driving. Starting on Ash Wednesday, she walked to work. She walked to the parish to receive her ashes. And she walked home. This will be my best Lenten devotion ever, she thought to herself as she walked home. The next day, she got up early and she walked to work. She walked to the market to buy her groceries and she walked home. Not once did she miss driving. A week passed. She still had not used her car. She was feeling very good about herself. She thought, this is the most difficult thing I've ever done for Lent and it's not that bad. She was pleased with herself. On her walk, she had time to contemplate her relationship with God. She was getting more exercise than she'd gotten in many years. She was feeling good about herself for the first time in a long while. But then, the next week, a strange thing happened. People kept pulling over and asking her if she needed a ride. Again and again on her walks to work, people would ask her if she wanted to ride with them. Everywhere she went, it seemed, and on every corner, people were stopping and offering her rides. Every time she went to church without fail, three or four people would say to her after the service was over if they could drop her by home. And with every offer, with every person who stopped and tried to help her, she became a tiny bit bitter. With every offer, the tiniest bit of self-righteousness and resentment made its way into her soul. On Friday of the same week, she happened to walk by the Mexican restaurant downtown. And inside, people were feasting and having a great time. People were enjoying live music and dancing and drinking margaritas. And at the sight of this, resentment poured into her soul. Self-righteousness gained a very strong foothold. The lady, for the first time that Lent, got mad. Got mad at those she loved. She got mad at the world around her for not keeping a great and holy Lent. It wasn't long before she began to look at other people and notice whether or not they were keeping their own Lenten devotions. Whether or not they were observing Lent themselves. And she would think to herself when she saw someone, well, isn't that something? He's eating a hamburger on Friday. Huh. And she said she gave up sweets. I know a candy bar is sweet. Or she would see someone else and say, I haven't seen him at church at all this Lent. Such a pity. I thought he was a better person than that. So slowly but surely, her walk with God her Lenten devotion, which had begun as such a wonderful thing, had turned into an occasion to compare herself with others, turned into an occasion for self-righteousness, a chance to compare her own spiritual life with that of those around her. Her walks became a chance not to reflect with God, but to show others how pious she was, how much better she was than them, how much more of a Christian she was and all those around her. She continued to walk. 
And she continued to grow in bitterness and grow in anger. She continued to think horrible things about other people. How dare they, she would think. How dare they say they are devout Christians and they can't even do one little thing different for Lent. She would pass people in the grocery store who hadn't been to church in two or three Sundays. She would think about them and how pitiful they were. And on the other hand, how wonderful she was. So by the fourth Sunday in Lent, she had worked herself into almost a complete and total isolation. She had, by her bitterness and by her thoughts, completely alienated herself from her parish family, from much of the world, and from God. She walked to church on the fourth Sunday in Lent, loaded for bear, as it were, thinking very uncharitable thoughts about the people in every car that passed her by. Now, by the time she'd walked to church, she was livid, mad at the world for not keeping their fasts and devotions, mad at the parish for not offering their lives to God like she had. And on arriving at church, she walked through the doors and noticed something that irritated her even further. The hangings at the church were not violet as they should have been. They were rose. They were pink. And this really got her blood boiling. Well, she said to the priest, I see not even you care about Lent and keeping things somber and reverent. She stormed out of the church and walked home, bursting at the seams with bitterness. Her steps powered by pride and self-righteousness, distant from God and distant from all who loved and cared for her. This morning, brothers and sisters, we are witness to some very similar behavior in the Gospel of St. John. In the story of the man born blind, we see a hatred of Jesus by those who are trying very hard to be pious and devout and religious people. In this morning's Gospel, Jesus encounters a man born blind. Jesus gives sight to the man born blind by spitting in the ground, making a clay, putting on his eyes and sending him to wash it off in a public pool. The man receives his sight and we think all should be well. That's great, we should think to ourselves. It's wonderful. Jesus does this on the Sabbath though. And it gives the Pharisees cause to interrogate Jesus, cause to find something wrong with him. The Pharisees again asked him, how he had received his sight, and he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. The claim of the Pharisee is that Jesus is a sinful person, a sinner. Jesus is evil, is not from God. Because he broke the law of Moses by doing work on the Sabbath, a day upon which no work is allowed. He broke the Sabbath by spitting, by making clay, by healing. He did all these on a day there is no work to be done. Now, not just once, but twice the Pharisees confront the man born blind, trying desperately to make a case against Jesus. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give God the praise. We know this man is a sinner. 
Pharisees, in essence, tell the man to confess. They interrogate him. Confess. Give God the praise. Tell them Jesus is a sin-filled and blasphemous man because of his healing on the Sabbath. Now, it is of no little importance the manner in which Jesus heals the man born blind. I know when I was a kid, and most of us probably who've read this have thought it odd or really gross that Jesus would spit on dirt, make a clay and rub it in the eyes of the man. What is that about? I invite you to think back to the creation of the world and how mankind came into being. God, the Almighty Father, formed man from the clay in his own image. Formed us from the clay in his own image. And it is from clay the man born blind receives his sight, receives new life. So to the mind of the Pharisee, not only is Jesus breaking the Mosaic law by working on the Sabbath, Jesus is playing God. And they are livid and trying desperately to convict him by the letter of the law of Moses. They are, after all, a deeply religious people. Right past the end of this gospel for this morning, there's a direct confrontation between our Lord and the Pharisee. Jesus says, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this, and they said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. So sight, blindness and sight, sight. If you have not guessed by now, sight is a major theme to this morning's gospel. To see is to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as Son of God. To see is to believe Jesus Christ is Judge and King Supreme. To see is to believe that Jesus is Lord and Master of all. To see is to be saved by the love of God. The Pharisees this morning are blind to the love of God because of the blinders they themselves have created by their love of their interpretation of Moses' law. So they cannot see God's love because they do not want to see God's love. They see what they want to see and have become self-righteous and pride-filled and lost in the interpretation of law. It's the same with the story of the woman I shared with you this morning. She became blind to God's love because she refused to see past her own interpretation of the laws of Lent and her own self-righteousness in following them, and she then judged others. Now, by no means you should hear me saying that we should not follow the, Lent, the laws of Lent. Of course we should. What I'm saying is that there's a danger in forgetting why these laws exist, these devotions exist in the first place. Forgetting what we do and why we do what we do is out of love for God and we do what we do during Lent to bring us closer to God. That is the danger. There's the constant danger of getting lost, becoming blind to God's love, becoming blind from self-righteousness by comparing ourselves to others, by judging others, by failing to see God's love working in and through others. That is the danger following the laws of Lent, the rules of Lent, the devotions of Lent. 
This Sunday is traditionally called Latare Sunday, more commonly Rose Sunday, hence the rose or pink colored vestments. It's called Mothering Sundays in other places, especially England. So if we grew up in England, this day would be Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day, Joan. In fact, this day is where our own American Mother's Day comes from. The Sunday marks the halfway point of Lent, midpoint. This is the day when the intention of Lent, the intentions in our prayers and devotion, shift from ones of wretchedness to ones of purifying, to expectation, to ones that help us prepare for Easter. The traditional gospel reading for this day for some centuries has been the feeding of the 5,000 by Jesus. And that gospel reading points to the refreshment and the loving care of God. The colic for this morning remembers that gospel reading. Gracious Father, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to be the true bread, which gives life to the world, evermore give us this bread. This Sunday, beloved, is a reminder of the goodness and the mercy of God. This Sunday is a reminder of the love of God. This Sunday is a reminder of God who gives his children refreshment and feeds them with heavenly food. This Sunday is a reminder of the goodness of God who gives sight to the blind. Mothering Sunday asks us to look at ourselves and how we relate to one another. In our own following the Christian faith and practice, do we harbor anger and self-righteousness towards others because of the things we do or because of the things that others do not do? Have our following of the Christian faith and practice, our Lenten devotions, separated us from those we love? Have our Lenten devotions or practice of Christianity or lack of practice of Christianity made us bitter towards others instead of making us love others more deeply and more completely. Let us remember on this Mothering Sunday that we should do all things to the glory of God and do all things to the end that our relationship with God is deepened and our relationship with others is made more true, more real. And finally, that we should never judge another. So on this Mothering Sunday, let us give thanks to God for his giving sight to us, the blind. Let us give thanks to God for his mercy and for his love. And let us remember that the practice of our faith, the practice of our religion, is designed to bring us closer to God and to help us to love others more deeply, more completely. Not to make us better than others or to drive us from Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.